Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to 2023. Into the Ivy is back. It's a new year. Happy New Year, everyone. We have got some recaps of our top 10 favorite moments from 2022. We've got a few New Year's resolutions for the Cubs in 2023, as well as examining the roster again, kind of looking at what the Cubs need to do to add from the free agency pool that's left, whether that's at first base, third base, another outfielder, exploring some potential trades, messing around with the trade analyzer. We've got it all here. We're very excited to continue this into 2023 as spring ramps up. We're less than 50 days away from catchers and pit, pit I'm sorry, pitchers and catchers reporting. And these are exciting times. So let's go. Happy New Year. Today's date is January 3rd, 2023. I hope everyone enjoyed the holidays with their families, their loved ones. Whatever you chose to spend your holiday time doing, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we took a little bit of a brief recess from podcasting from the Cubs and into the Ivy just to spend time with everyone. But now that we're back, we're back in the new year. Um, I figured a great way to start this show would just to recap some of my favorite moments from the 2022 season. Uh, so this is all personally me. You may have a difference in opinion. That's fine. My uh, my number one pick was the Seiya Suzuki signing on March 18th. Uh, Seiya Suzuki has been my favorite cub on the roster in 2022. I think he's still my favorite cub going into 2023. And I remember when the Cubs signed Seiya March 18th. I was on a flight from Orlando to Chicago and it was somewhere over Kentucky. Cause you know, on the airline, you can watch like where the plane's at. So I had that pulled up and I enabled the Wi-Fi because it's a two and a half hour flight. Didn't pay for it. You know, just on the, on the iPhone, get the complimentary Wi-Fi. And all of a sudden one of my Ryan, Ryan, my co-host, um, he goes, I can't believe it. I go, what, what's happening? What's happening? Like, I, I can't look it up on Twitter. I can't go on Twitter and see what's happening. What's going on? And he goes, we got Saya. And I go, wow, I need to fly to Chicago more often. If that's what I knew it was going to take to get the Cubs to sign guys. Um, can confirm that because I was not on a flight to Chicago when the Cubs signed Dansby Swanson. Um, but yes, yeah, Saya Suzuki, he's just a lot of fun for me to watch. I, I enjoy the guy a lot. Uh, my second favorite moment from this year, from 2022, was when Dansby Swanson signed with the Cubs on December 17th. So just a few weeks ago. I think that this is going to be, it's got the potential to be. I don't know what the Cubs are going to do in the future, four years down the road or whatever. But this Dansby Swanson signing does feel kind of similar in esque to the John Lester signing in 2014. We could look back on this sign and be like, this is when the Cubs signaled to the rest of baseball that they were ready to contend again. I'm not saying it's going to happen. A lot can go wrong. A lot can go right. 
but this does to me signal that the Cubs are open for business and the Cubs are ready to compete again. This is not going to be the 2022 Cubs. It's not going to be the 2021 Cubs. This is not, not going to be the 2020 or 2019 Cubs. I think that this team is ready to get back in the game, quote unquote. I would like to see them spend more money. I would like to see them make more moves. I would like to see them contend. It would be baseball is more fun when the Cubs contend. Uh, my number three favorite moment was when Nico Horner was the uh, first Cubs batter to hit a home run on opening day on April 7th in that win against the Brewers. And I think what makes this so fun is we all love Nico, but what is even better is no one had Nico Horner hitting the first home run of 2022. Nobody did. Come on. We all penciled in like say or wisdom or some literally hap anybody else Contreras no one had Nico doing it and I love that I love that even more um my fourth favorite moment was when Christopher Morrell came up and made his big league debut and his first at bat was that home run um it was just really cool to see because he was so fired up he was so excited you just felt everything for that guy like just the raw emotion it was it was it was really cool to see in person. Or I'm sorry, not in person, but watching it live on TV. Uh, my fifth favorite moment was when Ian Happ won the gold glove on November 1st. So a couple months ago. And all I can say is what a what a transformation for Ian Happ from 2021 to 2022. You know, I listened to Happ on the CHGO Cubs podcast last week and just talking uh, to those guys about what it meant from when he first came up um, Madden moving him from second to left to center to third to first, wherever they needed him. He was like the Ben, a young Ben, Ben Zobrist, but now him getting the start in left field every day, like he was telling the guys on CHGO, you know, you kind of, he, he gets to see what it's like playing left field at Wrigley field every day. He knows what to expect. He knows kind of how the window work, Things like it's the little things, the little things of he knows what to expect in left field now, and that's going to help his performance. So to see him win that gold glove finally was really cool. And I come on, Jed, get extend the guy. We we want him. We want Ian. We want Ian. We wanted ha we wanted Wilson. We wanted Tone uh, Anthony. We wanted Chris. We wanted Javi. We wanted all those guys. Just give us Ian Hap. Give us Ian Hap. We'll get off your back. Uh, number six favorite moment was the Hayden Wesneski MLB debut on September 7th when he came in and threw five scoreless. Obviously, coming back in the Scott Efros deal with the Yankees, Hayden Wesneski has the potential to be one of the top three guys in this rotation, and I think he's going to step up big in 2023. He's going to get a number of opportunities to do it. He's going to get a full season. I think he should start the season in the rotation. Because he's a guy that's ready. He proved that last year. I don't think that... I think with where the Cubs are right now on January 3rd, there's no reason that he shouldn't be in the rotation. I think that it's obviously going to be Stroman, Tyon, Steele. And that's a that's a pretty decent top three. But we don't know what's going to happen with Marcus Stroman. Is he going to opt out after this season? I don't know. So what Hayden Wisniewski does this year is either going to make you feel great about the Cubs rotation going into next year or it's going to make you feel like, oh, we can't lose Stroman. So we'll see what happens. Uh, my number seven favorite memory was the Field of Dreams win. That was just really cool to see the Cubs and Reds play in their throwback uniforms. 
obviously, White Sox fans will tell you it won't compare. And, you know, watching that Sox-Yankees game, yeah, you're kind of right because the Cubs the Cubs got up 4 nothing early in this game, and then they ended up winning 4-2. to two. So, yeah, the offense came early. You got a little bit of scare there close to the end. And I don't know. There's just something about the Field of Dreams. Like, it's a great movie. It's it's a baseball movie. Baseball movie. Just, I, I really wish I could have gone. I really wish I could have gone. My number eight favorite memory was something that I got to see in person. Uh, Wilson Contreras hitting a grand slam as the leadoff batter because they batted around in the first inning on May 16th against the Pirates. That that game was electric. I have nothing else to say. It was eight to nothing after the first inning. And, you know, it's tough not living in the Chicago area anymore and being especially 18 hours away, trying to find time to get up there to go see a game because you, everybody wants to go to the Cubs game when they win. And my luck had been very, very badly lately when it comes to going to see Chicago sports in person. Um, 2019 September against the Cardinals, that pivotal series at Wrigley field. I was at the game where Craig Kimbrell came in and gave up back to back home runs and lost the game. <laughs> um, I flew all the way to Cleveland, uh, to watch the Chicago bears when Justin Fields got his first start that ended poorly. So, you know, already I was thinking, great, I'm going to go all the way to Chicago. Cubs are playing the pirates, watch them get embarrassed by the freaking Pittsburgh pirates. And boy, was I wrong. And I'm so glad I was because Wilson Contreras grand slam. That was so cool. I haven't seen a grand slam in person since Jason Hayward did it in 2018 against the Phillies. Uh, my number nine favorite memory. This one was just a little bit funny. Uh, May 18th, a couple days after I got back from Chicago, I tweeted at obvious shirts because they, they posted something about who's going yard today or will Ian Happ hit a home run, something like that. And I tweeted at him and I said, if Ian Happ goes, hits a home run tonight, I'll chug coffee. Cause uh, or no, it wasn't obvious shirt. I think it was obvious shirts and connect roasters. They were commenting on each other's tweets because I posted that I would chug coffee. So of course, what does Ian Happ do in the first inning? He hits a home run. Not even five minutes after I press in on that tweet. So I'm like, crap. So I freshly brewed the coffee, got a whole video of it. I'll have to find that video and I'll post it on our social media. I'll post it on Facebook and Twitter. Um, my tenth favorite memory was uh pete alonzo's no we got swept by the cubs comment on september 14th this one was funny because it allowed the braves and phillies to get in on that nl east conversation i think it ended up allowing the braves to win the nl east it got the phillies into the wild card and then you i mean we all know what ran from there but it was just really really funny to see this juggernaut of a team that spends what like a half a billion dollars on their payroll no, we got swept by the Cubs. I mean, we weren't very good last year, so that was it was kind of fun to play spoilers. Uh, I got two honorable honorable mentions. The first one being the regular season series sweep over the eventual NL champ Philadelphia Phillies. It was the first time that the Cubs or Phillies either had done either in history against each other. No one had ever swept the entire season series, and the Cubs managed to do it. So that's something we have over the NL, NL champions. We're coming for you, Philly. We're coming. We're coming. And my second honorable mention, this one has nothing to do with the Cubs whatsoever, but it was watching the Phillies sweep the wild card round over the Cardinals. 
I mean, it was just, it was satisfying to watch Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina swept out of the playoffs. And now I feel even better about it because they took our catcher. Granted, we didn't want the, our catcher back. I'm very sad about that, but it makes me feel better. Um, Moving along out of 2022, let's get into 2023 now. So we've got some New Year's resolutions for the Cubs. The first uh, bit of information that I have, this doesn't have to do with the Cubs, but it has to do with Into the Ivy. I'm very excited to announce that we're going to be back on Apple Podcasts. We got the page fired back up. And I'm very excited to get these episodes, not just onto YouTube, where we are currently on at the moment, not just on Facebook, not just on Twitter, but to get them back on Apple Podcasts so that you don't have to just sit down and watch this content anymore. You can just plug it in and listen while you're driving to work. That's what I do. My favorite podcasts to listen to on my way to work are part of my take from Barstool and CHGO because I really love listening to the guys talk about the Cubs. I love listening to the guys talk about the Bears. Those are my two favorite teams, so to get to listen to those on my way to work, I, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, so keep an eye out for us on Apple Podcasts. We'll be posting the link on Facebook, on Twitter, on all our social channels, on YouTube. We'll we'll, we'll get it out there. We'll get it out there. <clears throat> so 2023 New Year's resolutions for the Chicago Cubs. Let's start with no double-digit losing streaks, please. I'm, I'm fine if you lose nine straight. Just don't hit ten. I think we had like three last year where we lost 10-plus games in a row, and that's just so deflating. It is so deflating for a team that's trying to build momentum. And I think it was all in the first half, too. The, there was just there was a lot of injuries. I'm pretty sure Smiley, Miley, and Hendricks were all out at the same time. So we just got to keep everybody healthy. The starting pitching just took an absolute gut punch, so we had to roll with guys that had never had major league experience before. That's not going to do much for you. So let's just let's just not lose 10 games in a row multiple times. Let's just not do it once. Um, that being said, let's have a first half winning record too, not just a second half. You know, if we can go 39 and 31 in the second half alone, that's a huge improvement after the All-Star break last year. If the Cubs play that way, if they can win, let's just say you win 39 games in the first half and 39 games in the second half. That's 78 wins. That's three less of going 500. Somewhere in there, you can win at least four more games and finish above 500. I don't care if it's 82 and 80. Just finish above 500 so we have something to build upon going into 2024. Because I think 2023 has the... It's not... I'm when I, when I compare this, it's not going to be, oh, we're winning the World Series next year. I think that 2023 has the ability to be 2015-esque, in which case it is going to either be like, we're going to be surprised at how well this team is playing, or we're going to be like, ah, crap. But when I say 2015-esque, I'm not saying we're expecting the Cubs to win the World Series in 2024. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if we really think the Cubs are going to contend in 2024, it would be nice to see flashes of that this year. Another resolution I would like for them to complete is finish second in the NL Central. You know, if it weren't for the AL Central, this would be the worst division in baseball. And it is mind-numbing. It is absolutely mind-numbing that this team, this organization, this franchise can outspend the other teams in its division, probably combined by millions of dollars. 
you know, Chicago is Chicago. You're in a you're in a division with St. Louis, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. Those that's your competition. And I don't really see I and no offense, but I don't really see people lining up at the gates to play in Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, or Milwaukee. You can argue the Cardinals because of the history that that franchise has, but the other three, I'm not saying that they don't have history. I'm not saying that they don't have tradition because that would be a, that would be disrespectful to those fan bases and those organizations. So I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is Chicago is a big city. Those other cities, they don't compare to Chicago. They don't have the kind of revenue that Chicago has. They don't have the kind of revenue that the Cubs have. The Cubs are a big name brand. Those other teams just aren't. And it comes down to, it doesn't come down to fandom. It doesn't come to how passionate the fans are. That helps, but it comes down to a business and it comes down to dollars and cents. And at the end of the day, who's making the most of that? The big market team. The big market team is always going to make the most money. That's why they're the big market team. So that being said, it would be nice for the Cubs to finish second in the NL Central, especially when nobody else did anything. You know, the Brewers, it felt like they subtracted besides getting William Contreras. The Pirates are going to be better in 2023. I personally think that they're going to improve, but I don't think that I think they're in a similar situation that they're not ready to contend. I think that the Pittsburgh Pirates could surprise some people and finish third in the division. That's going to take a collapse from the Brewers, but I do think that the Pirates are good enough to finish the season in third place in this division. And then the Reds, they're going nowhere still. They're still going nowhere. They I don't know if Cincinnati knows what it's doing. They've got some young pieces, but they're DFAing a bunch of guys. It, it It's going to be another, what, 190, 100 lost season in Cincinnati. I, that's all I got for that. Um, how about being buyers at the deadline and being in the wild card conversation at the end of the year? You know, we have been, just been gut punished, gut punched. Gut, well, gut, gut, yeah, gutted. We've been gutted the last couple trade deadlines. You know, two years ago, we watched Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant sent out. Last year, we went through all the emotions of Ian Happ, Wilson Contreras. Will they stay or will they go? All the way down till the, the, uh, minute and then even and we're like well deals can still be reported they could have been finalized they just might not have been reported yet <coughs> excuse me so let's let's buy this year i would really like to buy hello rafael devers boston red sox let's make a deal baby let's get something done bring devers over to chicago we could use the left-handed power bat we could use the third baseman i'm just saying <clears throat> And it would be nice for the Cubs to contend and be fun to watch in the months of August and September. Another resolution I would like to see happen would be Nico Horner winning a gold glove at second base. I think moving back to second from shortstop, he's going to be even more valuable to this team than he would have been if they wouldn't have got Swanson and left him at short. I think that Nico Horner is a top. He's a what? I think the analogy was I said like top 20 shortstop in the league, hands down easily. And that's not saying he's 20. That's just saying he's somewhere in there. But I think that by the end of the season, he could prove to be a top five second baseman in this league because the shift is gone. So you're going to need a good, 
you're going to have to go from average second baseman to good second baseman. And I think Nico Horner is above good at second base. I think it helps this team. This team's middle of the field defense is going to be better. It's going to be very fun to watch. And I think Nico Horner will win a gold glove this year. And then the last resolution that I came up with, what I would like to see say is Suzuki hit 20 plus home runs. He missed over a month last year of game of games with a sprained finger last. I think it was June. He was out all of June, but he still managed to hit 14 home runs. So somewhere in that little over a month, there's six more home runs that he could have hit to hit 20. So I think we'll see him hit 20. It would be really nice to see him hit 25. And you know what? If he got above that in that 25 to 30 range, I think that you're getting more than what you paid for. So you're going to need to replace Wilson Contreras' offense. I think this is a guy that's capable of doing that. That's all I've got for 2023 New Year's resolutions. Let me know in the comments if there's something I missed that you thought would be a great thing for the Cubs to achieve in 2023. I was trying to think of things that are realistic. Obviously, we all want them to win the World Series every single year. We all want them to sweep the Cardinals every single year. I was just trying to think of things that are realistic that the team can achieve next year. And I think these are this is a list of things that they could easily do. So getting more into this roster, what David Ross has at his disposal in 2023. Are the Cubs done at first base? You know, things have slowed down, and that's probably because of uh, the Christmas weekend, New Year's weekend. Now that we're coming out of the holidays, I think that this is the time that the baseball free agency market, that second round of it, is going to pick up. <clears throat> and I, like, I would like to see the Cubs add one more piece at first base. I really, really would. You know, let's talk. Let's talk about Matt Mervis. Okay, this guy shot up the farm system in 2022. He started last year in South Bend. And ended the spring or ended the fall in Iowa. Then he played in the Arizona Fall League. He was a monster there. I really like this guy. I really do. He hit 36 home runs last year. He hit for 309, 379 OBP, 605 slugging, 984 OPS, and 15 of those 36 home runs. So a little under half of his home runs all came at Iowa. That's pretty good. That's really good. If you would have told me that only like eight were at Iowa, sure. But the fact that we're almost at half of them, that's pretty darn good. <laughs> and I don't want to do this. I know that I said it. I don't want to compare him to Anthony Rizzo. But in this instance, we're going to compare the stats just because everyone is very quick to say Matt Mervis is ready. Matt Mervis is ready. Matt Mervis is ready. So the last player at first base that we thought this was Anthony Rizzo. And I just did some digging. This is what Rizzo's Iowa stats were before he came up. So he hit 23 home runs in Iowa before being called up by the Cubs. That's what? Eight less than Mer. That's eight more than Mervis. Rizzo hit 342 for average. He hit 405 for OBP, 696 for slugging, 1.101 OPS. So <clears throat> Rizzo did have better stats, but. Not by much. We're talking 0.20 in certain categories. We're talking 0.200 in uh, certain categories. <laughs> this, the, These guys, they're both left-handed batters. I think Matt Mervis has a chance to be very good at this, at this level. But can he do it? That is what is left to be seen. 
And that is where when he does get the chance, when he is called up, we are not going to compare him to Anthony Rizzo. We are not going to say, well, Rizzo, well, Anthony Rizzo, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. It's fine to look at the stats and be like, this is what Rizzo did in the minors prior to being called up. This is what Mervis did in the minors prior to being called up. Let's let's see what the kid has. Let's see what the kid has. I But again, I don't want to compare Mervis's eventual development to what Rizzo did. I think it's going to take a little bit more time for Mervis to develop. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he comes up and he takes the starting job at first base and is the clear front runner for it. I hope that's the case. But it would be nice to, <clears throat> as the Cubs, have a, a security blanket, if you will, in the form of another first baseman. And I think what you have here is it's less of a gamble than you did when you called Anthony Rizzo up. Not that Anthony Rizzo was a gamble. I think he was always going to be a clear starter for the Cubs. Not saying Mervis isn't, but you have the DH available. You didn't have this when you brought Anthony Rizzo up. So the first guy, obviously, that Cubs fans want is Trey Mancini. But it's starting to sound like this is another player that we are going to have to watch sign with another team. And last week, there were all kinds of talks on Cubs Twitter that saw the Nationals as being the favorites to get this guy on a one-year deal. I think that talk has since cooled, maybe because it was still holidays. I don't know. I haven't seen any Mancini news recently, which means, of course, an hour after this podcast drops on YouTube and Apple Podcasts, he's probably going to sign with the Chicago White Sox or something like that. I don't know. I really don't know. But if Trey Mancini signs with the Washington Nationals on a one-year deal, you can't tell me the Cubs couldn't have done that. Come on. Really? Come on. Like, And I think that what is going to be a, a red flag for the front office in this signing would be signing Trey Mancini would cost you $10 million, and he's not even going to be the guy that you want at first base every single day. Maybe he is, but I personally would rather have Matt Mervis. And you can rotate these guys at designated hitter, yes, but I want Matt Mervis to get opportunities to play and develop, and I do not want Trey Mancini or even the next guy we're going to talk about taking too many of those chances away. So if you're Jed Hoyer, do you spend the $10 million plus dollars to get a guy that you might sign to a two- to three-year deal to get done? I... I don't know. I'm not saying Trey Mancini's not a good player. I would love to have Trey Mancini on this team. I really would. Don't get me wrong. But I think that you, I don't know. I've just seen so much happen over the last few off seasons to where I'm at the point that I'm broken. I am broken. I don't know how this front office thinks anymore. And I am just full wholeheartedly expecting Trey Mancini to sign with the Washington Nationals or, or the Pittsburgh Pirates on a one-year deal and then get traded away as a contender, uh, or I'm sorry, to a contender at the deadline this year. That's what I'm used to. That's what I'm going to expect. Um, but of the two guys that I'm going to talk about, I would prefer to have Trey Mancini be the guy that the Cubs sign as opposed to Eric Hosmer. Now, this is a guy that has been linked to the Cubs over the last week in multiple reports. 
he's not going to be the Kansas City version. He, he's not going to hit you 20-plus home runs like season. If he does, that's awesome, and it's definitely a steal. But he could get you 10 to 15 home runs this season. He's going to bat somewhere in the 260s in terms of average, uh, 330s OBP, a, a lower 700 OPS. He's, it's, it's, he's a veteran. He's an aging veteran. That's what Eric Hosmer is going to bring to the table for you. AKA he's going to eat at bats. He's going to give guys like Matt Mervis days off. He's going to provide the left-handed bat that you need. It's not going to be, I wouldn't per se say it's a left-handed power bat, but I would say it's a left-handed bat. Um, and I think I know what you're thinking. The next question is going to be Ben. Does the shift change help? I don't think so, honestly, because I took a look at the stats he Eric Hosmer was only shifted against 16.7% of the time in 2022. He took 413 total at bats and he faced the shift in only 69 of them. And he still wasn't that great. So that is concerning to me. That is concerning to me because I don't think that you can argue. I don't think you can bring him in and say, well, now that the shift's gone, maybe his stats go up. They might, they might go up. Maybe something happens in 69 of those, in those 69 at bats. I don't know, but I don't know. This is such a, an awkward position to be in. This is such a sucky situation to be in. Cause we could just, if we need a left-handed bat this bad, we should have just kept Schwarber. This sucks, man. We should have just kept Schwarber, but that's, that's a rant for another time. We can get into that in a different episode. But I do think that Eric Hosmer is the preferred Jed Hoyer target because this is where the one-year deal is acceptable. This is where the one-year prove-it deal is acceptable. It's not even a prove-it deal because there are two teams on the hook for this contract right now, the San Diego Padres and the Boston Red Sox. The Cubs, we can pay him the league minimum of $700,000. That's it, not even a million number. We can pay him the league minimum for the next three years if we wanted to. You could pay this guy the league minimum for three years, as opposed to 10 million plus for Mancini. <laughs> That's just an argument. I'm not saying that I want Hosmer over Mancini because I still would rather have Mancini. But if we were to go with Hosmer, this would be the reason. This would be the reason. Because it's cheap. There's no risk in this signing. This is a low risk, high reward signing. So that is why I think that Eric Hosmer will get signed by the Cubs here in the next couple of weeks. I think he'll get the invite to spring training. And... <laughs> Whether he makes the roster, I don't know. But I think that Eric Hosmer will be a Cub in 2023. What about third base? Um, so the outlook right now is that Christopher Morell and Patrick Wisdom is the likely tandem to start the season. What about Carlos Correa? I'm just going to put nip at this one in the bud right now. We're not getting Carlos Correa. Um, the Giants and Mets are, yes, they're both concerned with 10 plus years for Correa. But I do think that Steve Cohen will get something done with the Mets, maybe a shorter-term deal, whether that's five years, I don't know. But if your Jed Hoyer is four to five years, somewhere in the 160 to $200 million total, is that a fair value to lock down a guy like Correa as your third best third baseman of the near future? <laughs> I don't know. Granted, the guy that I want is currently playing for the Boston Red Sox, but that's going to cost you prospects if you trade for him. It's going to cost you a lot more than Carlos Correa would now. I'm just saying if he's willing to play third base for the Mets, why not try it? And obviously over the last few days, they've been telling teams that 
it's going to get done with the Mets. They're just working it out. And I kind of believe it because no, because we're what two weeks removed from him signing with the Mets and nothing else has happened a week. I don't know, but here we are. No news. Carlos Correa still unsigned into the new year, but not for the reasons you thought. So that brings me to my next guy that I would want really, 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 really want playing third base for the Cubs at Wrigley Field this year. And that's Rafael Devers. Trading for Rafael Devers. He's going to be the top option at third base next year. There's no guarantee that he is going to reach free agency. We have a top 10 minor league system right now. And we have the assets to go get this guy. We do. So what's holding what's holding Jed back? I think there's two things, really. One, is he going to want to expend, extend Rafael Devers? So the thing here is that Jason Hayward still is the largest contract the Cubs have ever signed. It was the eight-year, $184 million. The Cubs have never spent more than $858, I'm sorry, $185 million. They have not spent more than that in total on a player in organizational and franchise history. They have not. I think this is the guy that you spend the $200 million plus on. But based on how the Cubs have operated, I don't see Jed giving $200 million to anybody. I don't. They didn't even make a formal offer to Carlos Correa, which $200 plus, you would have needed that. Xander Bogarts got way more than $200. We don't even know what the Cubs offered him. Trey Turner got $300. Will Jed Hoyer trade? Prospects that he has acquired in these big trades for Rafael Devers, and then will he be willing to extend him? Devers is only 26. He could easily get a 14 to 15 year deal like the Padres gave Tatis last year. And you know who's probably going to give him that 14 to 15 year? The team that's going to have their third baseman, Manny Machado, opt out. The San Diego Padres. So if you're if you're Jed Hoyer, go get the guy now. You can do it. I think I can speak for not all Cubs fans, but certainly some Cubs fans, where if you told me that we could give up half of Anthony Rizzo and maybe Chris Bryant to get Rafael Devers in his prime, going into his prime, and then have him for 10 plus years, I would have taken it. Chris Bryant was never coming back. The way that Rizzo was treated in 2021, he wasn't coming back. I'm sorry, 2020. Yeah, like, it's... go get him. Go get him. There's no reason not to. But that being said, a trade for Rafael Devers doesn't happen without an extension. If you don't think that you can extend this guy then you don't trade the prospects for him. Because I don't think that with Rafael Devers, this team is a World Series contender in 2023. I think that Rafael Devers makes you a NL Central contender in 2023. I think you make the playoffs with Rafael Devers, but I don't think you you win the World Series with him. That's just a lot of pieces for a rental. That's a lot of pieces for a full season or half season if you go at the deadline for Rafael Devers, if you don't extend him. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like unless we can get the extension of this happens. I think another avenue that you can take if you want to make this deal done 
is you take on the Chris Sale contract because the Cubs can afford it. It would be a sucky contract because Sale still has two years, $55 million left on this deal this year and next year. But what you can do is you can lessen the prospect haul that you're sending to Boston by taking the Chris Sale contract on. Because you can, you just go to Boston, you say, we'll take that. We'll take that horrendous contract if you agree to not take maybe PCA, but maybe Brennan Davis or Alexander Canario, maybe one of those guys. Obviously, them being hurt also sucks, but I, I don't know. I don't know. This is why I'm not in the front office. I'm, I'm a couch GM. I'm a couch GM. I'm a couch coach. I'm a couch manager, whatever you want. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I do hypotheticals. I think up hypotheticals all the time. I think up hypothetical analytical things in sports because that's what I love to do. I'm passionate about sports, passionate about the Cubs, passionate about baseball. I love it. So I even tried playing this one out on baseballtradevalues.com, just plugging it in. And Devers and Sale would net the Cubs a total value in return of 24.00. I just plugged in Owen Casey, uh, the Cubs' number 10 prospect, and Keegan Thompson, uh, who's already major league ready, and that would net the Red Sox a return value of 27.50. It's analytically a win for Boston, but what we know is that analytics don't always play out, especially in trades. So while that looks good on paper, Boston might say Owen Casey and Keegan Thompson is not enough for Rafael Devers and Chris Sale, even if Chris Sale's included with that contract. I think that they're going to want at least four players in a deal for Rafael Devers. Maybe three. Maybe three if you if the Cubs take on all of Chris Sale's contract. I don't know. It's going to have to... You're going to have to include a top 10 prospect in this trade. I don't think you get Rafael Devers without including a guy like... Take your pick. But I do think that if you're Jed Hoyer, the one name that you are not giving up is... Crow Armstrong. This is a guy that needs to stay in this organization because he needs to be untouchable. He is the one guy in our top 10 that you cannot trade. That's just my opinion. Anybody else, free game. And the reason I don't think that this trade will happen until the trade deadline is because I think that Brennan Davis, Canario, some of these guys that got hurt last year, I think other teams are going to want to see how they function, how they recover, and if they can bounce back from how they got hurt. And I think if they do, that's just a big bargaining chip for the Cubs in whatever trades they want to pull. So playing around with trading for Rafael Devers, I, I started to think of a few other trade targets that the Cubs could go in on. Um, obviously I looked at two positions of need starting pitching and third base. I looked at two different teams for both. Um, I looked at to the Miami Marlins for starting pitching. I looked to the New York Mets to third base because I'm assuming that they're going to land Carlos Correa still. So for the Marlins, obviously the big name there is Pablo Lopez. He's got a 38.70 value. I just plugged in Keegan Thompson, Chris Fumrell, Ryan Jensen. That gets 38.70 value, breaks even. Both teams come out even on that trade. And it also gives the Marlins what they want in MLB-ready players. The Cubs could use a Pablo Lopez at the front. He would easily step in and be the front of the arm rotation. I would. I think that we need to pull a trade on Pablo Lopez because he's a very good pitcher, and I think he would do a lot better in Chicago and do more for our team than he would for the Marlins, who 
are just in a stacked NL East. Maybe you don't go for Pablo Lopez. Maybe you go for a guy like Sixto Sanchez, who's the Marlins' number 11 prospect, got some time in Miami last year. He's only got a 1.60 value. You could give up a guy like Javier Saad, who is MLB-ready pitching, and Zach McKinstry, who's also MLB utility guy. 2.40 value for the Marlins. That's not a bad trade. But will the Marlins want to give up a top 15 guy for that? I don't know. Especially, it depends on the future of the Marlins, what they intend to do behind the Phillies, Braves, and Mets. Because I don't see, I don't even see a path to the playoffs for them in the near future. Unless one of those teams falls off hard, I don't see a path because of the Dodgers and the Padres. Because one of those two teams is either winning the NL West or make it to a wild card spot. So maybe if you're the Marlins, maybe you start selling some of these pieces off now to build for the future like the Cubs just got done doing. I don't know. I don't know, but there's no path to the Marlins. in 20. Unless, bearing a epic collapse, there's no path to the playoffs for the Miami Marlins next year. So then look into third base for the Mets. <clears throat> uh, the first option was Mark Vientos. He's the Mets' number seven prospect at third base. He's got a 9.9 value. You could give up. I think the Mets are going to be looking for pitching. I don't want to give up this guy. I don't want to give up Adbert Alzali, but I think that the Cubs have an influx of pitching now because they've developed so much pitching in their farm system. You could give a guy like Alzali to the Mets to get a return on Mark Vientos. I also included him on a package trade for Brett Beatty, who's the Mets' number two prospect. If we're going to give up Alzali, I would prefer it in a deal for Brett Beatty just because... Vientos and Beatty are both going to be behind Correa now for the foreseeable future. I don't think that it would be wise for the Mets to hold on to both these guys. I think one of these guys is going to get dealt this year, and I would prefer it to be to the Cubs, especially if we are not planning on making a move for Devers and extending him. I think that one of these two guys, prefer, again, preferably Brett Beatty, needs to be the answer for us. So Brett Beatty's got a 33.80 value. Even with I I don't this is one where you guys let me know what you think a fair return for Brett Beatty would be for the Mets. I tried out Adbert Alzlai and Owen Casey. That's a 32.30 value. It's less than what Brett Beatty is alone. But I don't know on this one. This one's tough because we want we don't want to give up too much, but obviously we would really like to have that third baseman who can come up to Wrigley. He can be traded for right now, and he would be the starter at third base. Maybe this is where Christopher Morel gets included too. I don't know. I don't know. But that's the nature of baseball. We just, we just don't know. We don't know because the weirdest things can happen. That's going to wrap up today's episode. We did, we did a lot. We talked some trades. We talked this roster, what the Cubs could do at first base, third base, uh, resolutions for this year, 2022 recap. It's gonna, I, I'm very more, I'm a lot more excited for this season than I was last year going into it. I think that the Cubs are in a unique position where it's going to be fun to watch baseball in Chicago because our expectations are a little bit higher now. We weren't expecting a lot in 2022. I think we're expecting more in 2023 because we're getting closer to the quote-unquote future. 
And these are just exciting times to be a Cubs fan because we are getting back into it. We're getting back into that window of competition, hopefully soon, hopefully sooner than later. But until then, um, please like us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, follow us, subscribe on YouTube, give us a like, look for us on Apple Podcasts. That will be up this afternoon. And until then, until our next episode, go Cubs, baby.